Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 230. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today's episode is such a great one for any leaders, emerging leaders, or change makers who want to know how to be more inclusive in our everyday practice of leadership. So if that sounds like you, stick around for an incredible conversation I have with Jennifer Brown, the author of Inclusion and How to Be an Inclusive Leader. If you are looking to work on and develop your leadership skills, we have just under a week left for you to join us for Level Up, our new leadership accelerator program here at Bossed Up that is for both emerging and current managers and leaders who want to strengthen your people management skills, your project management skills, and overall how you are practicing walking the walk as a Bossed Up leader. Starting June 1st and over the next six months, we will focus on how to hone and communicate your strategic plan, how to better manage your time and your team's time to manage projects like a pro. We're going to focus on people management and delegation, how to be heard and make an impact, how to be a better boss by cultivating emotional intelligence, inspiring trust and loyalty, and creating psychological safety, and finally, how to be a great mentor for your folks and a mentee who's constantly seeking out the supporters and sponsors that you need. So if you're looking for progress in your career right now, if you want to grow as a leader, take your career to the next level, and really boost your leadership confidence, Level Up is the program for you. We are closing enrollment once we hit 12 members or as of June 1st. So head to bossedup.org slash levelup right now to learn more about the program and schedule a live consultation call with me or Kirby when we can talk through your options, your goals, and see if the program is right for you. All right, without further ado, I want to introduce Jennifer Brown, an award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, diversity and inclusion consultant, and author. As the successful founder and CEO of Jennifer Brown Consulting, which is headquartered in New York City, Jennifer is responsible for designing workplace strategies that have been implemented by some of the biggest companies and nonprofits in the world. She's harnessed more than 14 years of experience as a world-renowned diversity and inclusion expert through consulting work, keynoting, and thought leadership. She has an incredible story she's about to share with y'all. Buckle up. This is a great conversation full of realness and practical and tactical advice for leaders on the rise. Jennifer, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) I am delighted to essentially continue our conversation from, where were we together? Austin? Yes, at the Conference for Women. That was amazing. Texas 9,000 Women. For women, 9,000 women. We were sort of hobnobbing there as speakers back in the day when 9,000-person conferences were a thing. <laughs> I 
Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, I can't even believe that was a thing. <laughs> I know. Oh, I miss it though. <laughs> I miss it too. But I, we had just such a powerful conversation. I, I want to sort of paint a picture here. I was feeling very nervous about scaling up my business. And I remember talking to you and you taking, taking a look at me and being like, listen, let me tell you what I've done with my business over the past 10 years. And I left that conversation feeling very encouraged. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, I'm really glad. I'm glad I didn't scare you. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, good. I mean, good. I'm glad. It's a good reminder that all of us at every stage in life and, and career, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you know, we've got to reach out and establish new relationships with other badass leaders on the rise. So I appreciate you coming back on the pod. To- I think we our whole goal should be to make somebody else's path easier from what we've learned. You know, what the, what's the point if we're not, we're not sharing our mistakes and what took us too long to do or, right? Or it's totally, what's the point of it all if you can't pass it on to the next generation? So yeah, well, I really appreciate it. It's sort of like we're accelerating the path for each other. That's right. That's right. That was... I think we were sipping cocktails at a happy hour the night before the conference and we looked at each other like, listen, let me just sit down with you. Let me just tell you what's, what's happened here. So, let me just level with you. <laughs> I love your story though. So let's introduce your story to our listeners here at Boss Up. You did not set out to start a successful diversity and inclusion company, did you? Tell us about the beginnings. No, I did not. Oh my gosh, no. For, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I wish somebody had right. told me. I stumbled on it, really. But backing up, I was a nonprofit employee in my 20s. So I was very much an activist for community justice organizations in Boston. I loved that work. But mm. I was also a singer on the side. So I was doing absolutely everything I could from cover band to singing in the Boston Symphony Chorus to doing voiceover work and teaching voice and everything. And I thought to myself, you know, I think I need to move to New York and just go for it. Like I got to yeah. see whether this is a thing. So moved to New York, got a master's in voice. Sadly, it turns out my voice is just not very strong and resilient. And I ended up having to get a couple surgeries because I injured it through the process of training. And that was Ooh, that sounds super awful. horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And it's like a secret. You can't really tell anyone because then you feel like they're going to lose confidence in you, right. you know, that this happened right and they can't count on you. And so I had a lot of shame about it also, mm. but I was just so heartbroken about it. And it just kept happening. And I just knew I couldn't beat it. So I had to walk away from it and reinvent. But luckily, I had some performer friends who had reinvented into becoming trainers in this Mm. whole field called leadership development. And I didn't know that was a thing. And I ended up getting a second master's at Fordham University in organizational development and HR. And if I were ever to be in any part of business, it was the part that I I could belong. Because Mm. it's all about human potential. You know, it's all about for being a trainer anyway, it's in being in front of groups, you know, facilitating them on a journey right? of learning, you know, and it's very akin to being a musical performer. So I would have some HR jobs and I was an employee for a couple of years, just getting kind of my feet under me in the corporate mm-hmm. sense. And then I was laid off from my job from Tommy Hilfiger. <laughs> oh no. And, yep. And which I didn't like working at very much. <laughs> Fashion is seems glamorous from the outside, but it's not not a good time. Known for their people work, right? Like people transformation. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't take that function seriously, I'd say. Mm. And I ended up then starting my own thing, like hanging out my shingle, 
being a subcontractor, which in our world means like basically renting yourself out as the talent. So I was a trainer Mm -hmm. for hire for several years Mm -hmm. and delivered Mm -hmm. programs um, all over the place on so many different topics and really just learned, just soaked up like all the things that were broken in the workplace because that was all that the managers wanted to tell me about in the classroom. And in every industry, you know, every level, like I just learned so much and I ended up forming an LLC, starting my own business. And then we pivoted to DNI from leadership actually because mm. of my identity as an LGBTQ woman and member of the community. I've been out since I was 22, but I'd been closeted as a performer, closeted mm-hmm. as a business owner, terrified that, you know, I wouldn't be able to make a living if people knew, you know, who I really was. And I think that that whole journey was I was an activist for LGBTQ stuff on the side of having my own company. But then I was like, yeah, if I can meld these things. I can actually be stronger as a leadership development and sort of culture consultant with my diversity lens. And one thing led to another and we sort of pivoted as specialists into the diversity, equity, and inclusion world. And I ended up learning about that world. I ended up starting to market in that, in that space. And and I think we're today, we're, I think we're one of the top firms in the field and it's just incredible work. And it's so like, the work is so real for me, you know, and it's so much fixing the workplace that I was closeted in that I never felt I could fit into. So it's just very, it's very per- personally fulfilling as sort of the leading the charge for this conversation. Yeah. And give us a sense over how much your company, the Jennifer Brown I want to say Jennifer Brown Consulting has grown because I remember being a trainer for hire and (laughs) I'm five years in, seven years into Bossed Up now. And I am so impressed by what you have built. Give us a sense of of the growth that you've experienced since you started. Like 10 years. I mean, more actually, more like 12 or 13 years. The big aha moment, honestly, was I will never forget it. It was deciding to work on the business, not in the business. Mm -hmm. So in those early years, I read this book called The E-Myth, which is in its 25th printing. It's kind of cheesy. It's one of those fables, but it is like a transformative book because it basically asks you, do you want to, if you're a pie maker, like, do you want to keep making pies or do you want to own the pie shop? Like, do you want to supervise other pie makers or do you maybe want to like, like how big do you want to get? And I think... I wasn't on a power trip or anything. It wasn't for that. It was honestly, I had to make it bigger because I wanted more impact. I wanted to have arms and legs everywhere for the work. And I wanted to have, I wanted to do more than I could do just me. Right. And so I've always called myself kind of a reluctant CEO because I actually kind of don't like that role. Parts of that role I just don't like. I have to do it. And to me, it's sort of the cost of the impact that I want to have. But I do love it. I love it because I don't have to do this work alone. You know, I feel that I have this amazing team now, which is pre-pandemic, maybe we were more like 20 people (laughs) or a little smaller now, but I loved the day that it came true for me was like 10 years ago. I had a client who said, you know, we're doing all these trainings programs with you and your company. You don't, it doesn't need to be you that gets on a plane and comes and does this. You can send somebody else. And I, that was just a huge moment. Because Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, oh, okay, now I can sell other people, which means I can work on the business, which means I can go and market and write books and kind of follow my own journey, which is not to be a consultant because I had done that, been there, done that. Like 
I was honestly tired of having the same conversation over and over again. I Yeah. I think it gets demoralizing, <laughs> you know? Some of the folks on my team love those conversations and they don't, we would never want to roll like I have today. Right. Because right. where I have to do all the time now is sell and market. That's my like day job. And I actually really like it. But many people who are practitioners prefer like being technicians. They like to do the work, mm-hmm. but they don't want to be the one that hustles for to create the work and then has all the carrying costs of having a company. I was going to say, I can hear all the e-myth language in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> My virtual CFO, who I've been working with for about six months now, is a big e-myth evangelist. Oh, and I need okay. to I need to get on that. I think I actually ordered the book and never read it. So that'll be a good... Oh, and it, you know what? You don't need, almost don't even need to read it. It's just one of those books you have the gist. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You get it. Yeah. Like, that's the thrust. The other book I always recommend people is called Flawless Consulting. Oh, yeah. You recommended that to me, and I did yeah. order it, and I have been listening to it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's great. And he's still he's around. He's Gosh, he's probably in his 70s. Peter but Block, I just, right? Uh, no, it's actually Peter Block. Block, yeah. You maybe think Peter Drucker is another sort of management guru, but totally different. I think Peter Block is more, to me, that was the aha of, oh, my goodness, like, I can be a consultant and get my expertise utilized. Like that's what people Mm -hmm. are buying. And I just didn't Mm -hmm. know that was a thing. And the book kind of lays out, okay, so you you finally got that client. You're sitting across the table. What do you do now? Like, how do you, what are you solving for? How do you put (laughs) like boundaries in place? Like what are the deliverables? Mm. How do you decide together? Like literally starting from kind of a blank slate and saying like, how can I help this person Mm. achieve their goal? I didn't know people were allowed to do that and people paid for people to do that. Yeah. And that has been my favorite part of consulting, which was not the really the rinse and repeat stuff. It's more the bespoke work of literally going on a journey with somebody and, right. and pulling on like a million different things, like if it's helpful for them as you go. Which going on a journey with someone is such a good parallel to theater work. I feel like oh it makes gosh. such sense as to why you love that. So my <laughs> entrepreneur listeners, of which there aren't too many, have just heard exactly why I love talking with you because we could talk business all day, oh, yes. which is amazing. I do want to talk about you're someone who was not only a trainer and consultant in diversity and inclusion, but is now created systems and structures for the rest of your team to facilitate the end goal of diversity and inclusion And I wonder, in the era of the digital workplace that we all Mm -hmm. find ourselves in, Mm -hmm. if you're seeing a a reemergence of certain diversity and inclusion concerns, problems, or or solutions that are popping up as we all navigate our way to this new normal. Oh my goodness. There's so much actually good that's happening right now. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. I actually think it's a quantum leap. It's an acceleration. Literally, this was gasoline on the fire of (laughs) DNI. Awesome. If you look at certain communities and how this is impacting, it's easy to see. For example, people with disabilities, one of the biggest, two biggest derailers to getting hired is the commute. So think about that, right? Yep. And accommodations in a physical workplace that don't enable you to do your best work. So now Mm. you're working from home, which is totally retrofitted for what you need. We're on Zoom calls where literally best practices that we have subtitles like going on in real time. Mm -hmm. And we also have signers and interpreters on some very cutting edge webinars that I've been on where, and I think it's incredibly affordable for corporate. It's hard enough for 
small businesses to have a live signer, but it is like a beautiful accommodation. So I think that's one community. Another is the level of understanding that's being built, I think, in the heterosexual like parenting dynamic is enormous right now for emotional labor, childhood labor, parenting, household, all of it. Like the whole flex conversation, I expect to really, really change after this experience. The empathy for the work that goes into the family, right? And the sharing of duties. And I think men in particular will come back to the workplace changed. I think too, the flex that all parents are able to access right now is something people don't want to go back to the old. Right. Literally, you have like maybe two extra hours a day that you were commuting. <laughs> like, right. Right. Or you have no time to balance anything with appointments and whatever. And I've worked for myself for 10 years, you know, so if you, we know the joys of working from home. Mm-hmm. And we know that not only are we not productive, but we are actually uber productive. Like that it's right enables you to work when you're at your peak, you know, when you're at your most energetic. It allows you to take breaks, which are really good for us. Like we can only sustain like our high level of productivity for a certain mm. number of hours every day. And this whole tyranny of the nine to five is, oh, I've always thought it was ridiculous. And the social pressure of being oh, yeah. able to take breaks in the workplace was not, you know, was so intense. It was not an option. Yeah. And then we also talk about the covering demands in the workplace for people of any kind of difference. And so Mm. I do think also the virtual world is enabling us to show up, I think, as more as more purely like ourselves and our work product and Mm. maybe not so much our physical appearance in the workplace, right? That we're somehow the the whole process feels more democratized to me, but at the same time, it's also very invasive for some of us, like having our homes on display, having our same-sex relationship on display Mm. that we weren't out about. There's a lot of disclosure right now that we don't have any choice with. And I think that's like good and bad, right? But it's I like to focus on the good because I think it's building a deeper level of trust. <laughs> I like hearing about the good because I feel like there have been quite a few headlines saying women's labor is at home magnified right now. And yeah, that's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah. I mean, parents are really struggling right now with homeschooling. And I think the other thing we need to really think about is, you know, revising performance expectations mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future, you know, like whoever was your go-to person all of a sudden is homeschooling three children under under the age of 10. Like that's a big shift for them. And how empathetic do you need to be to make sure you're reallocating work, to make sure that you're flexing mm-hmm. around somebody's needs and that they don't suffer the consequences in terms of performance review, right? Like right. I think we have to change the whole criteria and the whole system. Now, if you're a middle manager and you believe in that and you're saying, yes, that's definitely, you know, we can't expect perfection in a pandemic. <laughs> Ooh, that's a How line. would you navigate that conversation? <laughs> like, let's say you want your direct reports to feel like they don't need to deliver perfection to get a good performance review. And let's say you've got to have that conversation with the higher ups who are less empathetic, perhaps, because they yes. don't deal with these people directly on a day-to-day basis. Mm. I wonder as a leader and as a manager, what navigating that challenge looks like. Well, I think you have to be an advocate for your people and your colleagues. It's not just the leaders. It's not just a manager of the team. It's literally for each other as colleagues. Mm. To practice inclusion right now means that we, we, we don't just brush our differences under the rug. 
in the pandemic that we actually are talking about what's easier and what's harder for some of us right now. And that has always been a bit of a third rail, like pre-pandemic. I didn't ask you about what, hey, what is it like to be an LGBTQ person? You know, do you do you feel like you're still in the closet with our clients, you know? <laughs> or what does it feel like to be Black here when there's not a lot of other Black associates? That conversation's always been difficult. But right now, there is a level of, I think, truth and transparency that we that we can actually truly be interested in each other and learning about each other's lives and saying, I want to know because I want to support you. And mm. if you have any level of comfort right now, like I know I'm so privileged in this pandemic, no mm-hmm. kids that I'm homeschooling, quiet, a good internet signal. I'm still able to be in business, which is not the story for a lot of people. I don't have first responders <laughs> in my family. I don't right. have those who are at risk every single day within my sort of loved one circle. And so there, or I don't deal with like mental health challenges, like, right. and many other people are very, are struggling right now. So when I think about so many ways that like I can shape around other people's needs right now, and I can mm. be that overflow person, if we were to sort of reallocate tasks and responsibilities and kind of flow, work with people's flow right now, that should be every manager's job. Yes then you would need to feed that back up to senior leadership to say like, we may not be getting the same amount done, but perhaps we are, but we're getting it done in a different way. Or mm. perhaps the same work doesn't need to be done in the same right. way. Like we're in yeah. a whole different world. So yeah, I think that, but you've got to build trust with people in order that they will tell you how much they're struggling. I mean, that's the trick. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that a lot of leaders aren't so great at doing that. I just hosted a series of trainings on creating psychological safety and taking care of your people psychologically so that they'll take care of you, right? And your team. (laughs) And I think that's absolutely correct. Like building trust is paying off for some managers and bosses and teams right now Mm -hmm. and not having invested in building trust or just not having the commitment to building trust has really cost a lot of teams greatly right now. Yes. And, and leaders are still trying to lead in an old way and it's not, it's not resonating and it's not even effective and you just lose credibility. Like if you're not able to really flex into this new, I would say more empathetic, more vulnerable, more transparent, yep, more flexible style where you prioritize the person and not just the task. That hasn't been our definition of leadership and that hasn't been what we've rewarded in the past. You know, so it's nobody's fault. It's more that we all sort of, yeah. to me, like work to the test. <laughs> but mm-hmm. meanwhile, we were capable, I think, of a lot more. A lot of us, men and women, this is not a gendered thing. Definitely. And I think it's like making empathy and taking care of your people's well-being a business imperative. Exactly. That's what I'm hearing from exactly. you. I want to talk more about difference because I love what you're saying about this being a time where we don't brush differences under the rug. And I think a lot of folks, especially white folks, especially folks with privilege, get pretty squeamish about acknowledging and talking directly about differences in a way that doesn't feel offensive. So I wonder if you have any pointers on that front. Like, how do you approach a colleague of color or a LGBTQA colleague when you are very much not and say, hey, what's it like? being gay right now. <laughs> like, how do you have that conversation? No, it's super weird. You you, you uh, modeled it very effectively, but I do wonder if we could 
speak to that more? Because I'm sure even the most well-intentioned folks can come across as completely ignorant when attempting this. Yes, ignorant or intrusive. Yes. Squishy or whatever. Trust takes time to build, right? So we all have to remember that perhaps your first attempt is not successful, but that doesn't mm. mean that you shouldn't keep trying, right? I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I think that the powers and the questions, the powers in if you're a leader and you do icebreakers and you do check-ins with everybody, I mean, the question might be, you know, how how are you feeling, but also how is this situation impacting your loved ones? Yeah. Tell us about who's in your family unit and who's in your loved one unit, right? Which actually broadens it out beyond like a quote unquote heteronuclear family and mm-hmm. acknowledges that people may be a grandparent raising their grandkid. They may be the primary caregiver for a kid, you know? I mean, there's just so many things that people don't bring to work about their mm-hmm. lives. I would tell leaders also that you have to go first and you have to be vulnerable first to set the tone. Yeah. And this is an exercise for all of us to say, don't gloss over things. Like, don't make the best of it. Like, don't think, oh, I can't demotivate my team. If I'm feeling demotivated, yeah. I have to show up as this like unassailable leader. I think this time also is the time to be real. And if you open that door and you do it in an authentic, real way, over time, people will walk through the door with you. Oh my gosh, were you on my training last week? Because that's exactly <laughs> what I said. I was like, do not sugarcoat this pandemic, people. <laughs> Don't sugarcoat it. Be real with people. I like to be an optimist, but this is not the time to find the silver lining in things. Like this is actually the time to validate fears and pain and frustration and exhaustion and depression by saying, I feel with you. I'm right there with you. And while we might not share the exact same experience, I can tell you, I'm feeling a part of what you're feeling as well and modeling that. Somebody said on one of my calls, leaders are people too. Yeah. And somebody asked the question, how are we supporting our leaders? And like turned it around. And I just loved that because, I mean, leaders are super terrified and uncertain and nothing is working in the way that they might have, like Marshall Goldsmith's book says, what got you here won't get you there. Yes. I mean, all the tools that used to work, all the levers you used to pull don't generate the same results. And not yeah. only that, you don't even know what results you're you're trying for. Right. Like, so I think, and everybody's family's impacted. You know, I think to assume privilege right now is, again, like I've never really liked, I've, I've been on my guard to kind of look at a group, a room full of people that look like they have privilege and make that assumption. And, you know, I always try to hold myself accountable because I don't want somebody looking at me and assuming that I'm not an empathetic person. And I know as I walk through the world, if people don't know what I do for a living and they don't know I'm LGBTQ because I can pass, they make a lot of assumptions about me. Some of which, by the way, are are true because I actually am a person of tremendous privilege from a family perspective and lots of ways. But there's just so much we don't know. And I I just really encourage people yeah. to just check themselves on that. And, mm-hmm. and I think privilege is, is reorienting itself in this pandemic because oh, it is certainly. about with small kids at home or no kids at home. Like whoever thought of that as a privilege before, but it is, it's a major, you know, what else is going to be a privilege is who has immunity and who doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, or just we, chronic illness or, or yeah. yeah immunosuppression, you can't tell that upon first glance. LGBT people are being impacted um, of a certain generation by this because LGBT people have a 50% higher tobacco usage. And so from a lung health perspective, and also LGBT people don't trust doctors. And so they're actually under 
diagnosed. (laughs) So anyway, like it's just really fascinating kind of to dig into each community. When you do this work, you have to realize like every community has like different dynamics going on. And it's really very important to be an inclusive leader. You need to know a little bit about like some core identities that aren't your own and make sure that you have those statistics and you understand like what is different for certain communities right now. And I think the media is doing a relatively good job of shedding light on those differences. I know my local NPR station, thank God, and the New York Times have done a lot of reporting on the racial inequities in care. And I would also be interested in looking at the rural urban division around broadband service because my in-laws... Shout out to Gail, who's a loyal listener of this podcast. My in-laws until very recently, they live in rural New York state, did not have like internet, cable internet until very recently. And I can't imagine how difficult it would be to navigate this new normal without it. Right? And also going home is not a safe place for some people. Mm. So whether it's schools and school lunches or college where people could be out and they weren't out in their tiny farm town, right? So home is not always the safe place. So we have to also really remember that, you know, workplaces in some cases are very, very like somebody's safest place. And I, yeah, I always have to check myself too, that I'm, again, I have enough room to spread out in my own home, but particularly for young people right now, it's just a, it could be a potentially very difficult thing. Yeah. And I think as leaders, now more than ever, kind of like how how uh, teachers were interventionists and equality activists in their day-to-day provision of services to their students. Like as leaders, we can help create, even if it's just psychologically or digitally, safe space for all of our team members That's and right. try to do what we can to not be another another stressor in their lives. Oh my gosh, right? What can I do to support you today? I would say also check in. Don't just do the group thing. Like, you know, prioritize the one-on-one check-ins right now more than ever. And give the space too for introverts for no screen time. If people are feeling screened out, like be sensitive Mm. to, I mean, sometimes people don't want to look at themselves. They have physical appearance issues. Like it's not a happy thing to constantly be on video. Maybe they're having a really bad day. Like there's also... I just think all those things we might expect all for one and one for all, let's all get on video. And like, I've even heard some companies requiring it. And I just like, no, you can't do this to people. <laughs> it's That's another just- form of exclusion and it's uncomfortable. I was just in a virtual conference where I was, I got to be an avatar all day. I didn't see myself all day, but I was able to like walk around and, and it was just such a relief. <laughs> it yeah. was strange. Like the, the sort of, it's very subtle, but I felt I found it really liberating. So just like ponder that. Like think about watch your level of exhaustion and yeah. pay attention to your own energy, but also don't the rule of inclusion is like don't assume everybody's is looking through your lens. Mm. And every single thing, think about the platinum rule is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Right. Like the shift in sort of orienting yourself around somebody else's viewpoint and definitions and not your own is like that very first and very important step for inclusion work. That's a really great point. And and maybe even trying to include, at my company, we're trying to include all team members in decision-making around how we do what we do. 
right now. Awesome. Like how we do what we're doing now and and what this new normal looks like and what works best for us involves a ton of experimentation. Mm -hmm. Some days better than others. (laughs) (laughs) And don't make make perfect the enemy of the good right now. (laughs) Have a growth mindset. Go read Carol Dweck's book. That's another classic. Growth mindset. Fail forward. Big, big fan. Uh, Make it safe to experiment. Yeah. I mean, this is the time. I feel like when chaos happens, the, 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 the script gets thrown out and it's a great time to be step forward, be seen and heard in a new way, get some visibility, take a leadership experiment. You know, I think there's a lot of opening right now and mm. there's, there's, we could actually, we have an opening to change things. I think for the future right now that we, we couldn't have, we could not have manufactured the, right. a better chance. Yes, I agree completely. Jennifer, thank you for bringing your perspective, so your welcome. wisdom, your your sort of perspective in, in terms of your optimistic take on this while also keeping it real. I so appreciate <laughs> that. You. And I know our listeners appreciate it as well. Where can the Bossed Up community follow up with you if they want to learn more about your I work? I love it. Okay, so I have two books. The first is called Inclusion. The second is called How to Be an Inclusive Leader. And they're both on all kinds of online, like Amazon and everything. So please go check it out. There's an inclusive leader assessment that you can take for free. If you want to get some pointers on kind of where you are in the continuum that is the core model of the second book. So you can go to jenniferbrownspeaks.com and find a link for that assessment. I also have a podcast called The Will to Change, which is in its third year. Yeah. And then let's see what else we have. We have some diversity, equity, and inclusion foundations courses coming up. There's one launching late June and it's an online course taught by our consultant team who are amazing. And it's a good investment if you're sort of getting started on this journey and you just want to get a hold of the language and get your feet under you and kind of get oriented. So that information will be coming out soon if you join our mailing list, which is also at jenniferbrownspeaks.com. And then let's see, I am on all the social platforms. So for Twitter, I'm at Jennifer Brown. Instagram is at Jennifer Brown Speaks. And then, of course, we're on LinkedIn and Facebook. So those are really great places. We're very, very active. So definitely check us out there. Great. I will drop links to all of those wonderful resources in our show notes today. Jennifer, thank you again for joining me here. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. And this week, we are featuring an exciting boss move from our hired program, our three-month job search accelerator, for which five spots open up at the top of every single month. We have, as of this recording, about three spots left for our June 1st hired cohort. That's starting in just a week, actually less than a week now. And Holly, who was in the cohort that started, one of the cohorts that started with me back in March, sent me an exciting email about her boss move of the week. Not only did Holly successfully land an awesome new job during her time in the hired program in ergonomics after basically making a career transition from the past few years in which she had served as a counselor. And she landed a great new job with better pay and negotiated a moving bonus on top of it all. And then she sent me this wonderful boss move as a follow-up. 
She said, I wanted to share with you that I was accepted into the CSU Organizational Learning Performance and Change PhD program. I'd applied earlier in the year knowing that I was going to make some big changes this year, but just wasn't sure how. This is a program designed around working professionals, and I plan to accept the offer of admission. Congratulations, Holly. We are so proud of you. And she then goes on to write in her email that she wants to explore possibly joining us for Level Up, which we're talking about this week. our exciting new leadership accelerator. And she wrote, I've enjoyed working with you and your knowledge and ability to summarize and teach is powerful. Thanks, Holly. She goes on to write, I've enjoyed working with you and your knowledge and ability to summarize and teach is powerful. I'm planning on sending my 19-year-old daughter over your way as she'll be looking to apply for internships next summer too. Holly, thank you so much for your kind words. Congratulations on landing this new job, on getting accepted in this badass PhD program and for making those strides in your career, including exploring, continuing to work with us here at Bossed Up to level up in your career. Congratulations, Holly. Holly is one of four of our nine hired participants who started with me in March who have already landed an excellent new job. We've got other members of the program who are weighing offers and negotiating offers right now. I think if we count everyone who has received a job offer, the number jumps up to five or six out of nine in the midst of this pandemic, which is super incredible. If you want to learn more about Hired and consider joining us as a job seeker for this next month's cohort, learn more at bossedup.org slash get hired. And about Level Up, the program I mentioned at the top of this podcast at bossedup.org slash level up. Until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.